We syndicators operate under a regulatory framework. The basic framework says that every security needs to be registered with the SEC and or the state. However, there are exceptions that do not need registration. We have state rules and federal rules that govern what we do. When everything is within the state, we can choose between whether we operate under the state rules, also called, called the blue sky laws, or under the SEC's rules. Now, looking online, you'd think this was just sort of an administrative thing that you do. You check a box because it's just one form and it's not really all that necessary. Let me tell you, it absolutely is. I'm an attorney. I can give you that advice. This matters. When things go well, well, then everybody is okay and nobody really looks and everything's fine. But once something com happens or someone complains, everything you've built is suddenly in jeopardy if you haven't done everything right, crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. You may be liable for civil and criminal penalties. Now, I'm not trying to scare you here. I'm just trying to make the point that this part really, really matters. And it's not something that just some guru can say, well, all you have to do is raise some money and magic happens. This part matters because if you mess up, you are in really, really hot, big hot water. Now, that said, you can stay on the right side of the law when you know where those boundaries are and you just know how to stay within them. In this module, we're going to go through those boundaries and talk about how to stay within those bounds. Now, you may be in different states than I'm in, and so I don't know specifically what state you are in, and so I'm going to speak generally about it. But this is the kind of thing where you do want to do some research and uh, maybe talk to an attorney either in your area or somebody who pr regularly practices in syndication uh, for guidance on well, am I going to be running any risks? Chances are these, uh, what I'm going to tell you today will apply, but there may be certain jurisdictions where there are some nuances that kind of change the rules. So in general, when we're talking about these boundaries, we're talking about what exceptions there are to the registration of a security. Now, under our federal system, as soon as you have a interstate uh, transaction where you have somebody in one state and somebody in another state, then the federal government automatically is in control. So that automatically falls under the SEC auspices on what is covered. Now, if everything is in the same state, so for example, if you are in Texas, the property is in Texas, every investor is in Texas, you can uh, go under the blue sky laws of Texas and do your syndication there and not, not even deal with SEC rules as long as that's what your uh, the blue sky laws of Texas say, which they probably do. Almost every jurisdiction uh, allows for its own internal intrastate uh, securities regulation. But as soon as we get interstate, then you need to go uh, follow what the SEC rules are 
Um, and even if you are all interstate, because we're a federal uh, regulated uh, country, then you also have the option of following the SEC rules instead of the exceptions of the interstate. They all make references in their codes to the federal exemptions as well. So there are three, uh, so I'm gonna speak specifically about the SEC rules. So the SEC obviously is a Security and Exchange Commission. They're the regulatory body that oversees securities in the United States. Um, there are three different exceptions. I can't spell today. Uh, to the SEC rules. Number, the first one, and the one that you probably will use the most is Reg D. Uh, there are three different exceptions under Reg D, and we'll talk about those. We have 504, 506B, and my preferred one, the 506C. Then there is two others that aren't used as much, but we'll go through them because you probably will see them in passing, and I don't want you to be confused as to what they are. So we have Reg CF, and we have uh, Reg A. And under Reg A, we have two tiers. We have Tier 1 and Tier 2. So let's talk about Reg D. So there are, we're going to break this down into several different uh, kind of categories. We'll build out a matrix and you'll also have the matrix in your materials uh, attached to this particular module. So you may want to refer to that because we're going to get uh, not as quite as detailed as that is, and also attached in that module notes will be kind of a flowchart on how you make a decision on what, uh, which one of these exceptions most applies to you. So the things that we are consider that we need to mostly consider is how much. So how much money can you raise? Oops. Um, can you have non-accredited investors? Uh, we'll just put it non-accredited, save room. And um, advertising. There, ad. there are other parts as well, and those are detailed on that sheet. So under Reg D, the, there basically are these three different categories. We've got uh, Reg D Rule 504, Reg D Rule 506B, and Reg D Rule 506C. Under Reg D uh, Rule 504, you can raise um, t up to $10 million uh, per 12-month period. Um, you can have non-accredited investors, but you cannot advertise at all. Um, so no advertising under Rule 504, which means that every one of your investors must be somebody who you've had a pre-existing relationship with at a business level 
or they fall into some other category, like they are a non-accredited or they're an accredited investor. Um, and the accredited investors, they either meet certain income requirements, they either meet certain um, net wealth requirements, or there's a couple categories for people who have securities licenses may also qualify uh, and be accredited investors, even if they don't, um, even if they don't meet the income requirements. Uh, or the, the, the wealth requirements. Uh, rule 506B uh, doesn't have a limit. It doesn't have a limit. You can have uh, non-accredited investors. You, you can have up to 35, so that's a, a greater than or equal to 35 uh, non-accredited investors. Um, you also need to determine that those non-accredited investors are sophisticated uh, investors, that they know what they're doing uh, when they invest. And But you are still not allowed to advertise. So these need to be people who, like I said before, that you have that existing relationship with uh, as long as they are accredited. Now, can you advertise but only, uh, only advertise to people who are um, non-accredited or only advertise, take investors who are accredited investors and advertise, but you'll still take out to the, your unaccredited, non-accredited investors. No, 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 you cannot. When they, when the SEC says no advertising, they mean no advertising at all. So do not do that. Um, rule 504, 506B, no advertising only existing people that you've had. Now I've done 506B and they're totally doable as long as your list of people who you've done those relationships with is big enough. Uh, there's a lot of benefit to doing a 506B because we don't have the formalities of needing to prove that everybody is an accredited investor because you already have that relationship with them. It's assumed that you can have those unaccredited investors because it's not just the public who's coming in and investing in this. Now under 506C, we also have no limit on how much money we can raise. We cannot, however, have any non-accredited investors. And I would go so far as to say that every single one of your investors should be accredited and that their accredited status should be verified by a third party verifier. It just gives you an extra level of protection that you don't get by doing it on your own. The presumption here is that you did not do it and that they, um, is that they slipped through the cracks and the SEC can come and get you. Uh, I say protect yourself by getting a third-party verifier. Um, so third-party verification is recommended by me uh, very strongly. I wouldn't do one without a third-party verification. They basically go through it all, uh, issue a certificate that says, yes, we believe this person is an accredited investor. And suddenly now all that weight is off you. You don't have the burden anymore of showing that you uh, did your due diligence in order to 
to make sure that they are an accredited investor. You show that this that the third-party verification is a regular third-party verifier, and suddenly now the presumption is, is that they probably uh, did everything by the book. And the nice thing and why we do it is we can advertise. And when I say advertise, I mean you can put it on the internet, on social media. You could put a billboard up. You could hire a plane to fly with a banner behind it. No problem. You cannot take money unless they're an accredited investor and, in my opinion, uh, have that third-party verification, but you definitely can take anybody who is an accredited investor. That is why 506C is my preferred way. I almost always would rather do a 506C because I also want to get my name out there and have it known that I am syndicating because then I get more and more investors. So for me, 506C is the best of the exceptions. Now there are two other uh, categories of it, two different regulations of exceptions. So regulation CF, CF stands for crowdfunding. It came out of the Jobs Act. And under regulation CF, you can now raise a, uh, a maximum of $5 million uh, per 12 month period. That's up from uh, just a million dollars earlier, and now suddenly we're in the ballpark where it does make sense in order for it to be a um, for real estate. So under uh, Reg CF, now you can have uh, non-accredited investors, but here's the big caveat: Can you advertise? Well, kinda. Um, but everything must go through a registered portal. So can you just open up your own portal and say, and get it registered from somewhere? No, a registered portal is set up. It's registered with both FINRA and the SEC in order to let everybody know that you, that the portal will be doing the, the verification of the, of the investors to make sure that they've received all of their disclosures and to make sure that they know what they're doing and to kind of set that dollar amount that they can invest. The SEC wants to police to make sure that people aren't investing their life savings in your deal um, only to uh, put it at risk and potentially lose it. Um, under Reg A, Reg A is also an exception to the uh, to the the requirement to register a security, and there's two tiers for it. So under tier, uh, we'll do them together. Uh, under tier one is a up to twenty million dollars in a twelve month period, and tier two is up to fifty million dollars in a twelve month period. And you definitely can have accredited investors. And you definitely can advertise. So you are probably asking yourself, well, why would I not do a Reg A? The reason that you wouldn't do a Reg A is because it takes forever. In order to do a Reg A, you need to file it with the SEC who then reviews it 
and then they make, then they suggest changes. Well, I wouldn't say suggest. They tell you which changes to make. And then they review. And then hopefully they approve. And so all these steps, this is government we're talking about, take forever. I mean, you, I think right now you're looking at well over six months, probably nine months to a year in order to get one approved. Now, if that's the kind of deal you're working on, fantastic. If you're dealing with a blind pool or something like that, Reg A is definitely something to consider uh, because it is a, a great mechanism and you can advertise and you can take on accredited investors and all that good stuff. The, um, so you can do all that. Now, the nice thing is too, you can also advertise while it's pending. So once you submit this to the SEC, you can start advertising, but you cannot accept any money until after they approve it. So once they approve it, then you can accept money, but no touching their money until after it's been approved. So this is the basic framework that we're looking at. Now, if you fall, uh, if you did something that was not quite right, like you kind of did a 506C, or no, you kind of did a 506B, so you have unaccredited investors, but you did advertise, you put it on social media, what is going to happen? That's a question I get a lot. Um, what's going to happen is this, as soon as something goes wrong, you have an investor who gets mad, they are going to file a complaint in state court probably, and maybe with the SEC initially, and then you are going to be under extreme scrutiny. Now, if you are found uh, that you did something wrong, which is likely, given the scenario I've painted, then you are suddenly liable for all of the money not just the money that you got from that one investor. You are liable for the entire amount immediately. So if all of the equity was $3 million of equity that you raised, that day one, you need to give that $3 million back right now. No waiting, it's due now. Your entire syndication has completely fallen apart. Because it fell apart, you committed fraud. You put something out there that is fraudulent. And so now suddenly we're talking criminal penalties as well, and people do go to jail for this. So that's why it's important to recognize that this kind of discussion is very serious. This is not the kind of thing that we just look online and, and hear what some guru has to say about it. You need to ask a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. I, you, I can tell you that, yes, there is definitely a problem here, but here's what the boundaries look like, and here's how you can stay in compliance with those rules. So in the next module, we're going to talk about how we stay within those rules using the private placement memorandum. 
how it's structured, what it's composed of, why it's so important, why we don't just pull some template off the internet, um, and then why I tell all of my clients and, and syndicating member, uh, people I, I mentor in syndication, why I tell them you need to do a private placement memorandum even if you're doing a 506C, which by the way, does not actually require a private placement memorandum, uh, but I tell them they really, really should. And we'll go over why that is in that next module.